Okay, Sarudi, how are you doing? Doing all right. What's good? I don't know. You sound a little out of it. Long day? Uh, no, just you know, just Mondays. Uh, yeah, just Monday. Kind of Monday. bummed. Did some some leave working this weekend, which was kind pretty, of which pretty big bummer. Yeah. You don't like raking leaves? Uh, no, I really don't. I, I found that out pretty harshly this weekend. Although I had like a blower, but that still isn't even that great because it still takes so much time. Then you got to pick them up anyway. Probably just gonna pay some guy to do it next year. Wow, things are going things are going well. Well, not that well. Show. I just hated it that much. So was that the manual labor thing you hate the most? I find uh, this fascinating. No, definitely not. Because <laughs> love that word. <laughs> definitely not. Do you really want me to get into this? Because <laughs> I actually have yeah, actually I I do because I've I've probably done all of these manual labor things and there's ones that I haven't bothered me and there's ones that I I think I'd rather spend the night in jail. So go ahead. Yeah. So uh, my dad owns a heating, air conditioning, uh, and plumbing company. HVAC. So HVAC as well. Yep. So I, during the summers, a few summers, and he, by the way, he knew at an early age that I had no idea what I was doing, so it didn't really push me towards this. Like my grandfather started the business, my dad took it over, and they're like, Steve, probably not going to be good for this. We're going to just let you sit this one out. But I worked there in the summers every once in a while, or like for a winter break or whatever. So the worst thing that I ever had to do was because, you know, at that time I was smaller, they would make me go into these like massive sewage tanks to like fix them or like, you know, do things because I was the only guy that would be able to fit in them at the time. Um, so that's about as bad as it gets. I feel like labor wise sewage. Yeah. Swimming just, around just in sewage, not swimming in it, but you know, Standing it's around. It? Yeah. You know, it's around. Cause there's like Did a get on your clothes. Did get uh, on your well, clothes? you wear like a full suit. Um, right. But, but it, it really on. doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's still awful and it's terrible and it smells bad. That's but, bad. Um, that's, that's about as bad as it one. gets. Yeah. Yeah. Leaves never bother me too much. What I used to hate about leaves is I always feel like dad's would make you rake leaves in an inefficient way just to make you do something. Just to you know, prove I, a point, yeah. Right. I would be like, hey, look, the leaves aren't all down yet. I'll bang it out. But if I sweep this up now, it, it's like it's like going out on a porch and me sweeping the porch and you following behind with a bag of sand. Like, it's just not, this is not an efficient way to do it. And you know what dads don't want to hear about is your efficiency rating for raking. No. A lot of times they're just like, just get your rake and go outside. You don't pay for anything. You're You're just a... Debt, you're walking debt, and rake. And they're right, but they're still. I think a lot of dads out there could plug in some saber metrics when it comes to raking. It's why you need perspective as you get older to be like, oh yeah, my dad was 100 percent right in that situation. Like I was probably being an a hole. Um, yeah, totally. Don't but tell see, me how to do my, you know, how to do the, something yeah. I've been doing for my entire life. I didn't. I love framing, even though it was dangerous. Like being up on a ladder, you can kind of get your ladder legs, but when you're way up there on a dormer or something or you're at the peak and you're doing trim work or you know actually the framing is is scarier than than doing any um any trim stuff i mean by that time you've already been up there the whole time wind whipping that can get a little weird as long as you're just okay you're always going to be fine you know you strap anything or you just ladder and that's it what like are you hooked into anything like if you're climbing a a mountain now my dad wasn't exactly like (laughs) top safety guy a lot of it helmet at least no no helmets uh, no. are you yeah. kidding me no okay. i wore the same carhartt hoodie and pullover and boots and leather belt and carhartt, deal nice. i had the same i wore it every day for like six months at one point it's that I mean, or dickies th- right those are the two work i never clothes. had yeah, yeah we never did dickies and like i couldn't even really afford it you know i was like hey can you cover me on the on the overall dickies became like cool i remember in high school everybody wore dickies i did yeah know. that's i missed that i missed that um I wasn't wearing Carhartt to look cool. It, it just was good. It, it worked. It kept me warm, and I was outside. And it was a, it was a winter framing thing, and it was tough because it was so freaking cold. But I, I didn't mind that. You know, like at least I knew I was doing something, working on something, and I couldn't have, I wasn't skilled enough to just do it on my own and take all the measurements and trust myself that way. But I was, I was good at being, like if you told me what to do and it was a good crew, I, I was going to be able to, you know, do some things on my own and not let you down. Uh, I would say insulation was a real bummer. I could see that, yeah. One of my friends and I insulated an entire house for spring break because we were both broke. So I talked him into coming back home and doing insulation with my father and I. And he, I remember the next year he was like, I'll never do that again. <laughs> he, he like saved his money so that he didn't have to ever do that. And the weirdest thing too is that the sheetrocking crew literally made fun of us the entire time. And I don't know if the sheetrockers couldn't figure out that they were subs for my father and that my father, I don't think the guy knew that my dad was the GC and that he just thought I was some insulation clown. And he was calling us the worst stuff I've ever been called ever on the job site. But I was only like 19, so I didn't really know, like, am I supposed to take a swing at this old rummy or what? But 
I don't know. We did that. Painting used to bother me probably more than anything because it was so mindless. I would inside just, or outside. Uh, well, inside's brutal, but even being outside, it was just mindless. And I used to just sit there and think and think and think. And I, I mean, my brain never turns off. So eight hours of of mindless work was brutal. Um, that yeah, I don't mind painting a room, but I don't want to. I couldn't do that every day. Does the ladder stuff bother you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, it depends how high it is. Like, we were doing some stuff on the house. It was like, you know, second story. It wasn't that big of a deal. But anything higher than that, I'd probably kind of freak out. I don't think we were, I really any, encountered any height things when I was doing, you know, anything with my dad. It was mostly just I used to hate, like, stuff. we used to do stuff that was really stupid where I would, I would shingle a roof, but I'd be carrying up two stacks or something up a ladder, and then I'd have to throw it up on and then, like, still get up onto the ladder. And it was like, once you got off the ladder up onto the roof... It wasn't that, but when you have to start walking down a pitch roof and to just step onto the ladder, like we could have been safer. Now that I think back on our safety standards, they weren't the highest they've ever been in the history of construction companies. But my father was like, he paid his bills on time. That's, I think anybody, that's all anybody ever cared about. He was good. You got paid when you're supposed to get paid. So, and he was honest. He didn't, he didn't mark up certain projects. He, you know, he was really, he had a great reputation and was really good at it. Um, um, just really cool houses, really creative stuff, but I will, we spent a lot of time on this and that's okay. Cause I think it's, I think it's right for some people to listen to this kind of stuff, but I will always think back to those years working. And I think you and I are very alike this way is that I'll always want my kid. If I, well, I don't know at this rate, who knows? Uh, I will always want my adopted Asian friend, uh, <laughs> I would always want a kid to have to work construction. I may even say like, hey, you have to spend a summer, you know, working with cement. Maybe you'll be a mason, a green mason, just because I think doing that kind of stuff, construction and all that, like all of the things that you learn with that, you end up applying the rest of your life. Like if things suck, all right, well, work and figure out how to make them better. Seriously. I totally Maybe agree. I'm preaching a little. Father Rosillo just out here giving advice. I, I Nobody's better at parenting without kids than I am. Let's talk to Van Pelt. He hosts a really famous show. But how about this? Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Shop the latest timepieces at us.tissoshop.com. They are the official watch of the NBA. Tiso brings performance and style to the game by offering painstakingly accurate timekeeping and stylish and authentic watches. Tiso is the official timekeeper of the NBA. Tiso worked with the league to introduce state-of-the-art shot clocks, an integrated timing system in all 29 NBA arenas, a first in league history, and ensure consistent timekeeping in each second of NBA gameplay. Tiso activates its NBA partnership at major NBA milestones, and throughout the year, engaging with fans at the NBA All-Star Game, the NBA Draft, at retail locations, on NBA broadcast partners, and digital and social media with each of its partners' teams during the season. It's actually a pretty cool thing. Like, when I think of other sporting events, and you always kind of think of the time pieces that are associated with it. If you're an NBA fan, TSO, you're going to see it all the time, and they're a big reason why. Uh, I don't know. Is Would you argue the NBA's time is the tightest because of TSO? Could you Could you argue that it's not? I don't think you can. So here's what you need to do. This holiday season, get the NBA fan in your life a TSO watch. TSO Team Quicksters are 50% off, available only at us.tsoshop.com. So if you were doing the radio show with me today, and, you know, segment A is probably what we would want it to be, despite what news the news cycle will tell us it should be. Uh, and we were doing the committee rankings. These are the playoff four. What would you do? Like, what do you think the topic would be, the thing you'd want to come out firing on? The I, I think just four, five, six, and how you differentiate but between things. Because I really felt like, like fascinating is a, is, a, is a word that's overused. I mean, not that many things in our lives really are fascinating. There's things that are interesting. <laughs> this, this, this to me is a, is, a, is a fascinating differentiation to make because, like, the Big Ten is somehow boxed out now. This is three years in a row where the, where the committee is like, yeah, not interested. Um, Oklahoma's defense can't stop anybody, but I, they've, got, they've got enough wins, and they had a better win over a team that was higher ranked than the Ohio State team that they were ranked ahead of before this weekend. And then Georgia's really best performance is a loss. 
Like if you're if you're really arguing about what you, the most impressive thing Georgia did, it's a game they couldn't finish for the second time in a row against Bama. So like to me, that I, I feel like how you how do you determine the semantics of best four or the four that are gonna get in? Because like the committee just can't give the SEC two and an independent one and tell three of their you know their power five members, hey, tough, sorry. That just can't. That wasn't going to happen. Um, okay, but so do you think I, that's why it didn't happen, or do you think it's because they had two freaking losses and they're like, "Sorry, you know"? But, but all those things. Look, right? The games. Ha- you and I agree about a lot of things, as we found out over the years. But like, sitting in the room the other day with Stanford Steve, and we we're just kind of laughing. Like, man, look, it's obvious George is one of the four best teams. But if the results don't matter, then what's the point? Why do we have scoreboards? I mean. You, the, the results have to matter. And is it fair that essentially Georgia had a play-in game and, and other teams didn't have to have that? No, it didn't. But that's the neighborhood you live in, and you benefit from that in some ways by like getting residual buy-in even when you lose games you don't back up. Um, and that's what everybody in your league benefits from. And, the, and the, the downside is you might have to play Alabama to earn a right in the playoff, and if you lose, you don't get in. And so that's so that's that's what it feels like it happened. Um, Steve hit me with a stat earlier. I think it's an, an article in the Athletic. Like Bama and Georgia played two games in, in the title in this, so it's like, it's like two hundred and sixty some odd snaps. It's insane and, the stat. And Bama has led after nine snaps and won both games. <laughs> it makes there's another minute breakdown where they've led, they've led for like a handful of minutes with two full time games and the overtime. I know, I know a bunch of Georgia fans, and I, and and I, they're they're awesome. You love, like, they're you love great, the state of Georgia. You're big in the zone. Yeah, six, I'm really big. All I'm, the I'm, zones. Let's be honest, I'm pretty big globally, Ryan. But like Georgia in particular, uh, no. I mean, I, 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 you know what I love about them is that there's this, there's this kind of hard earned hope that's tinged with like, oh God, maybe not. You know, like there's just, it's like it would be. It would be like being the second richest guy at a table or something. Like, yeah, you're 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 really rich or you're really handsome, but you're next to a guy that's more wealthy and and better looking. You like so you walk away feeling like, man, I'm rich and handsome, or you walk away feeling like, God damn it, I'm not as rich and handsome as that other guy. And I, I that's Georgia right now. Uh, they're better than most. They're just not better than that one team that they keep running into. Remember when we would talk about the 2010 Bama team, and I brought it up because I talked to Rob Mullins today for the Ringer podcast, and you know I've known him. Luckily, you know I've known him for a while, and he was able to come on. And, and like I just really broke down all these simple questions, and I, I've always felt like the more I've studied this and talked to all these committee chairs, I actually think it's less calculated. I, I think it's very simple, you know. And sometimes my tone, especially all of our tones in a, in a tweet, can be thought of as like scolding. Yeah or authoritative and it's not really that like i'm i'm doing a real shrug of "Eh, i just think they kind of like these four teams you know and i think if we did Mm -hmm. 20 years of the playoff with only four teams which isn't going to happen but say we did it for 20 years we'd have years where you go oh that seemed important okay well this year they prioritized this and then you know this year this weird thing happened that had been unprecedented and then they did something completely different and that's one of the points that rob made that i've always believed in is you know, everybody gets mad at them for being inconsistent. They'll admit that it's inconsistent in how they apply the criteria because every year is a different set of circumstances. So as you point out, like, oh, the Big Ten's going, well, what the hell do we need to do? You need to not lose to Purdue by 30 points. I know it's 29. Yep. But, you know, like the assistant coach for Ohio State acting like, you know, they were de- denied U.S. citizenship. You know, I, I just, I can't believe that, you know, Rocky three wasn't nominated. I can't believe that, t- t- you know, planes sell extra seats and how the hell we could be left out. No, actually, like, this isn't some thing. We don't need Nat Geo on it. Like, don't lose to Purdue by a billion and don't play like crap for a month. And that's all it was. So it's not, you know, we could sit there and theorize, oh, the Big Ten's down, but think how identical this conversation was yet reversed three years ago when you and I were on the phone doing our weekend thing where we're just talking, basically doing a radio show, and you're going, there's no way they're letting Ohio State miss out on this. And Ohio State, with what they did at Wisconsin, with Cardell Jones, they jumped those Big 12 teams that we thought were totally deserving, whether it was Baylor or TCU, and we were both more Baylor because they won the head-to-head against TCU, 
and then they get jumped, and then finally they put Baylor in front of TCU, and our browse is like, oh, thanks, sweet. Now we're finally ahead of them. Now we're at five, though. So, you know, that was the thing back then where you're going, the Big 12 can't win. Well, it feels like the Big 10 can't win, and this stuff would be cyclical if they don't change. We'd have 20 years of data on all this. I don't think these grand conspiracies exist the way everybody thinks that they do. I, I don't either. Cause, and there's, look, there's no matter which direction you go, somebody's pissed and somebody's convinced about agendas and this and that. And you know how this goes in, in, in the business. I, our show started the other night with Kirby on and immediately, and I'm not on, I'm not on social media, but sooner fans go berserk. Of course you have them on. You have a gen. We had extended. the. How is your sooner accent? How's your sooner I, accent? I I don't. I think it would just be a vague Southern one because it wouldn't be as Southern as like an SEC one. I don't know. I guess it would be. It, it, they'd just be mad. Hey, of course you have old Kirby on SEC Network. Where's, See, where's kinda, Lincoln Riley? I well, don't we know. Invited that, him and he's, he's, he, that was too Southern, too SEC. I think it's too Southern because when I was I was just in Norman a couple weeks ago and I was talking with a guy from Nissan and I go I don't know how to explain it, but there's a different level to the Sooner guy. Then there is just the Longhorn guy or the SEC guy. Like I don't know. It, it's kind of like porn. Like I I can't define it, but I know what it is. And it's the same wait, thing exactly, about Sooner I, guy. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Is it more like? Is it more sort of? Oh no, no country for old men. Is it more sort of? Yeah. Deep and, and like right in here. Or where am yeah. I? Am I getting closer? Yeah. I'm getting yeah. closer. Right? Oh, yeah. He's got, he's got an old. Uh, yeah. He uh, he yeah. got a, he got a Pontiac dealership yeah. just outside of Norman. <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's, a he's, hell of one. He's, he's got, got some of that Pontiac money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, the All right, so back to your point. Guys, they're mad because Lincoln's not on, and you're like, look, he was supposed to come on, and then he just he chose not to, and that's fine. I think some of these coaches are more into it, and some find it kind of more distasteful to have to come on and, and, and beg, so to speak, you know, to, to pass the hat. And I, I, I just assume it's – it's one of those things that probably doesn't help, but it might not hurt to just say, hey, look, here's what we got. Here's what we did. In the end, I thought OU was going to get in just because I was doing a basic math equation. You're ahead of Ohio State. You beat a higher-ranked team. I assume you're going to get in, and they did. And listen, I think Kyler Murray, I think Kyler, do you think Kyler Murray is going to win the Heisman? And if you do, do you think he essentially won it Saturday? If I had a vote, I'd vote for Kyler and Tua lost it on Saturday. I agree on both on both counts, and um, I you mean, have a vote. All, I don't. No, no. I have you don't have one vote. yet. No, no. But I have a Heisman vote. I'd much rather vote for the best fat guy touchdown than the Heisman Trophy. They, um, they I have never been uh, never been asked. And that's, that's actually that's weird because usually the way that ESPN works out is like somebody just gives them to like the guys that matter. I was really close to getting one, and then I whoever was like, you don't. They were somebody was like, you don't have a vote. I go, no, I don't have a vote. And they go, all right, well, we'll fix that. We'll get you a vote. You watch as much as anybody. And then I was like, okay, that's cool. And then when I said I wouldn't have voted for Andre Williams the year he's at BC, the guy who was going to help me was like, nah, you're, you're out now. You're not getting a vote. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. No, I, don't, well, I, I have no vote. But, but in this, in this, uh, podcast vote, I would vote for, for Murray. Um, and it threw no fault of two his own. I mean, he didn't have to play well often in fourth quarters of games because he did the heavy lifting in the first quarter. And this isn't about a singular Heisman moment. I mean, it's not that. It's just, I think Alabama, and we saw it Saturday, I think Alabama could win if, if Hertz is the quarterback, and I think they could win if Tua is. OU's, OU probably has four losses without Murray back there running around doing what he does. They gave up 400 and something yards to Kansas. I mean, it was like two, whatever. 40 points to the Jayhawks. 40. Kind of a lot. Although, I'll say, you know, I, just an aside, I couldn't have agreed with the Les Miles take that you had. I didn't even bother with it because you just summed it up. But Stu Mandel, who we love, who's <laughs> yeah. been one of my all-time like go-to, I want to see what he's saying about this sport that I love so much. And then he was basically saying, like, what's Kansas thinking? And you're going, what is Kansas? What do you mean, what is Kansas thinking? They're Kansas. Like, okay, you're not getting... 2007 national title less miles. Does anybody think that? I don't care how outdated he is. It's it's. I mean, give me a break. They they have two ten win seasons in a more than a hundred years of playing football. They don't need 2007 less miles. 
They just need upright, ambulatory less miles. They need somebody that can make their football program um, worthy of paying attention to before they roll the basketballs out in Fog Allen. And is he older? Sure. It, 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 did things get sideways? Did, did things get sideways at LSU? Yeah, they were inevitable. They were inevitably going to get sideways at LSU, given all of the circumstances that make us love LSU, frankly. But the idea that they that, that they had they need to go get some young guy that's an up and comer, like they did the last time. Like, what are you? What were you? I don't even know what he was talking about. But he's just he's. I mean, it's his opinion. I'm sorry, you can't. Your opinion can't be wrong. In this case, his opinion's wrong. So I think what we're saying here, uh, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on Kansas. You nailed it. Don't need to add to it. Um, we're in agreement in the top four. We're in agreement. Uh-huh. I guess I'm trying to find something that we disagree about a little bit more. You know what I think? I do a couple of things. I do want to point out in the Jalen Hurts story is that I I do love it. Um, if I were, I didn't even want to do it in the moment. But the thing that always kind of I felt it was limited about Jalen's play and why he eventually did lose his job to Tua, albeit a national championship game. And I don't really know who other than Saban would have even done that. I just don't know who would have done it and it worked out. Is that Jalen's still doing that one read, tuck it and go. Like he's, it's the one read and it didn't hurt him. It worked. They came back and they won it, but the whole style of play, his approach to playing that position. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it look any different and it didn't matter. They won that game and Tua. I thought it was really good with Gary Danielson. He goes, you know, he'd always gotten away with kind of thinking there's always going to be a touchdown there because it kind of felt like all season there was because I still think that this group of pass catchers five deep, especially Judy and Waddle, oh my are God. so – they're so filthy that like two is just going whatever, you know, and it, that's basically what would happen is I'll just – okay, I'll dance around, dance around. He was hurt, but he also was just bad. He wasn't seeing the field very well. So nope. Jalen comes in, this happens, the – unbelievable symmetry of this story the same building the same team you you've only lost two starts every back-to-back national title games your first two years even being on campus and all these different things what is it though about us that we seem to really love and i'm not putting myself in this group but it seems like i can appreciate this Jalen story we both love it this is why you and i love sports and talk about our whole lives but there also seems to be this thing where it's almost this applause for not not leaving the program when the dude's leaving the program next year and he should. Why do you yeah. think people are so, cause I think you used to be anti kind of transfer guy when you were a little bit younger. I don't know if you've changed. I work with Danny. Danny felt like no one should ever transfer no matter what. And I feel mm-hmm. like, Hey, this is a really good story, but you know, let's not turn this into no kid should ever leave a campus because Jalen Hurts got in for a hurt to it. Uh, here's the thing. Was it a, in symmetry is the, the, the right word, it's a magnificent story, and it is a, a, a testament to persevering, being a great teammate, not leaving, all of those things. And by the way, at the end of the year, he's leaving, as you say. So <laughs> then, then all you people that love this story, are you then going to hate it and hold it against him that he's leaving? Because he's not going to see the field beyond this year. Um, it was incredible. The fact that he's out there doing the one thing that he couldn't do before, which was making throws, and whether it was one read or not, he made a bunch of big-time third-down throws that helped him win that game. And it is great, and it is wonderful when the dude who's been a stand-up guy and a class teammate gets the opportunity. But the idea that this is why you shouldn't go implies that everyone's going to get that opportunity and that the stage and the stakes are going to be like this, and they're, they're almost certainly not. This was like this was a completely unique situation, and that's why the story is so amazing. But I, I just I, I I see people turn it into well, no one should go, and this is what blah blah blah, right? And and Bryant could have stayed at at Clemson, and he'd be watching Lawrence out there spinning it, and he'd be wait, he'd be just his season would be ending. He'd never play again because he'd just be waiting um, because he was better. Lauren, and everyone knew that at Clemson. And it took, all it took was that Georgia Tech game where he threw like five touchdowns, and you're like, well, we just can't keep him off the field any longer. So I, I just I think applying one circumstance as a blanket rule for everybody, we would never do that for any other thing. Why would we do it for this? Yeah, I don't I, – I remember like you not – I think Tate Forcier was the guy that drove you bananas because it was like the entire family just transferred all the time. And I could understand you being turned off by that. But I always have felt like there's this group that 
is anti the player because he's younger. Like, oh, these young kids, you know, mm-hmm. just toughen it out. And you're like, you know who shouldn't have toughened it out? Is Jacob Eason. You know, like he gets hurt for Georgia. Sure. Fromm comes in, is terrific, and then they land the number one recruit at the position in field. Like, they land, like, what's Eason supposed to do? Well, I'll just, I'll just toughen to it Washington. out. I enjoyed Athens. It was a fun new new world to visit, but I am gone. Speaking of fields, like what's he going to do? I'm sure you've heard the same rumbling I have, which is part of the reason they keep throwing him out there, even though Fromm's obviously great, is you're trying to keep a guy happy as best you can, where he obviously can see, well, there's no real path for me to the field next year either. Like, is he going to sit there? I mean, is, hey, we're, we're, we're praising Kyler Murray. What did he do? He was at A&M and got mad and left, didn't he? Yeah, he got mad and left because, I mean, they were all over the place. And I remember when they got Kyler and we had Avery in, and I'm talking about Avery Johnson now, Bama's head coach, when he was working with us at the NBA stuff. And he, like, Avery wasn't impressed with anything. <laughs> and we were off the air and he started talking about Kyler and we were like, geez, you know, now I want to go watch his huddle film. And then he shows up and it's not really happening for him at A&M except he's getting in and getting his taste and then the whole thing blows up with Sumlin and each guy's situation is different like a Shea Patterson that's what I'm to, saying right that's is, what is, I'm saying it's is Shea different. supposed to stay at Ole Miss no no of course not <laughs> give me a break I mean, I'm just trying to go back to like the idea of am I anti the transfer I'm not anti the transfer I'm anti and I think I was probably anti Murray at the time thinking oh at the first blush that it doesn't go exactly how you want it to go you Split. That wouldn't have been Hurt's case at all. It's very different between being a highly ranked player that's a five-star guy that doesn't get to start and then decides I'm leaving, and Jalen Hurts who had won a title and was 26-2 and as a starter for Alabama. Like, that's a totally different deal. So, I, you know, in the end for Murray, guess what? He was right, and if, if I was anti, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not going to try to couch it. I'm pretty sure I was. Then he was right. It all, it all worked out. And by the way, he had to be patient at OU. And in the end, he's probably going to win a Heisman. He gets a seat at the uh, at the playoff table. It doesn't even matter because he's not even going to be a football player. He's a baseball player. So, uh, can you imagine having five million in the bank? Unique. No, in college. Oh my god. Oh my god. Is it five? The contract was five. I don't know if the signing bonus was. I mean, I could look this up real quick, but the internet enough that you could have really like your your lift kit would have been even more preposterous, and your and your base like set up would have been. I can't believe I had. I had those those kickers, like 12-inch kickers in a Toyota, <laughs> an 88 Toyota with a lift kit, and yeah. that thing banged. I mean, it did, and I didn't have $5 million. I was psyched to run into 200 bucks every now and then. Um, i got to look up the signing bonus because that thing, that's just a game changer. Although I feel like every one of your buddies would have been like, hey – uh, all right, so the total deal's five million. So, oh, so right. he's only yeah. I mean, it's not like he's that rich in college. I can't yeah. imagine being after agent fees and taxes. Uh, barely, barely even eat. Can't even uh, go out and get a steak. Yeah, I mean, five million in college isn't really what you think it is with books and yeah. taxes yeah. and the agents. Let, let me try it. Let me be. Let me try it. Was in Norman as a twenty-something-year-old. I bet. I, I bet I do all right. I bet I do better than most. <laughs> I was doing Norman guy again with a Pontiac dealership. You ever have sex in an Oldsmobile? Yeah. No, but then Pontiacs, spacious, roomy. When I was in Norman, this lady picked me up in an Uber, and she told me. Hey, now. Oh, an Uber. No, no, an Uber. It was an app. It was a different kind of app. And she goes, you know, she's like, you look like you play sports. I was like, thank you. And uh, (laughs) she goes, I picked up Baker Mayfield once. And I was like, no kidding. And I was like, well, what was he like? <laughs> She's just like, he was so nice. We told him we were all rooting for him. And on the hopes of Norman, were, you know, and all this stuff. And she's like, and I did something I'm not supposed to do, but I asked him for his autograph. And she's like, he autographed a pink Kate Spade, like, phone holder. I was like, well, that's been sick phone. Like, is yeah. that for sale? Kate. Like how, is yeah. it unisex? You want me to sign that? Want me to put it all? Want me to put my 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 scribble on there for you? Did you watch uh, Fury Wilder on Saturday? We were on the air, so no. But I saw uh, at the after effects of it. Like 
I, I mean, I don't know when 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 he got up, like the Wilder reaction when he got up was just great because he had such a sheepish look, like oh that dude just got up. He really did. I mean, it was a good fight. It was a good fight to watch. Uh, obviously, terrible judges as always. That sport, oh, yeah, like people I mean, get mad about the committee. That'd be like the committee putting in A and M. Yeah, we've never seen true. a team. Well, they had that seven overtime game. Yeah. Showed great perseverance and resilience. They're in. They're four. <laughs> Played Bama tough yeah. earlier have, this year in have Tuscaloosa. You seen a They're team in. just you know seven overtimes. Nobody else has that metric. Um, <laughs> that's what boxing judges would do. So I'm, that's why I feel like the committee's been okay. What else have you been up to in general? Do you have any life updates? Um, that sounded good. Let's see. No, I mean it's 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 a lot of a lot of doing the show. Um, you can you can appreciate the the days of the winners and trying to grind out the wins and giving you the sixty percent this and that. And I I'm in here with Stanford Steve, who's just handing them out like Halloween candy. The guy had an like an unprecedented year of of handing out winners and uh, it's like forty two and twenty something. Or I mean, it's yes, like twenty games exactly. over. Yeah. Exactly. He's like hit legitimately hit two thirds of his picks. So that's been fun. Um, but I mean, it's not you really. Know, You're it's being nice routine. about it, but it bothers you. Oh, that, no, 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 no. I'm not being nice about anything. It's infuriating. It's it's just <laughs> I'm trying to be as, as supportive as I can while at the same time I'm uh, I'm livid. Um, you know, but that, that this is the way it went. But that that has happened. Uh, we did have a uh, significant snowfall here, which you don't have to deal with out there. Um, um, so that was that was always good fun, always good when you've got a, a winter storm warning in November. Um, just sort of setting it up for the bleak next few months. Uh, and yeah, we got oh, Christmas though. We got Christmas. We got the tree up in the house. I'm concerned about it. it's kind of sparse. Uh, last year we bought one. I looked at it for one day. I'm like, yeah, this tree sucks. And we went and got another tree. And today I told my wife, I think this tree sucks too. And she's like, it's decorated and there's lights on it. This is the tree. And I'm like, yeah. Wow. So you uh, switched right. out to trees. You love Christmas, yep. man. And with the kids, yeah, around? I, I, I get I get fired up about it. I like you know I try to be generous, try to try to share the spirit, you know, do the, buy, buy the stuff, treat your people right, this and that. And so it's exciting. Little kids, I got a daughter. She wrote her letter, you know. She put "I love you" on it to Santa. Kind of sweet, innocence, all that stuff, you know. And then someday you'll be like, "Hey, sweetheart, it was all a lie, and we were all in on it." Sorry, I don't know what that I don't know what that tells you about life. I don't know who started that because if you had child psychologists and all that stuff kicking around. I don't think anyone would say a great way to start this whole parenting thing off is to make up imaginary people and have them believe it as late as possible. And the later they believe it, the more their peers will make fun of them. So not only will they think life is a lie and their most trusted allies, their parents are liars, they will also be ridiculed by their peers. All of the, all of it, all of what you just said. And I, and there's a, uh, and there's, there's the internal struggle with that where you want to just kind of pull her aside and go, Hey, Hey, this whole thing is, is, is BS. But then it's Christmas Eve and you go outside and you put out the reindeer food and there's like, there's the, it's cliche or whatever, but like the magic and that, 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 that look of belief, um, whatever, wonderment? whatever the, yeah, wonderment without question. Wonderment. <laughs> is that what um, it is? Yeah. I think Oasis sang a song about it. Um, the fact that at the end you do like the Charlie Brown football pullback on it all, like it's, you know, it's, it's like you kind of just go, yeah, but it was, it was fun, right? You liked it. You got a lot of stuff, you know, and that the one guy that kind of smelled boozy and got handsy there at the mall. He was older. It was it made his day. You know, that's that's old Cliff. He, he works. He city works doing doing plow work with the with the snow plows, and yeah, he just dresses up as Santa. But it, it's okay. He's trying his best. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't. I just kind of was laying out there. Yeah, layout. Scott's talking about. I think I just started thinking about bad Santa and, and like who that would be in real life. But it is kind of messed up. Like the wonderment part, it trumps. It is a messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kinda, it really kind of is if you think about it. And I have obviously I've thought about it. I thought is this is the is the is the juice worth the squeeze here? Like the the elaborate hoax. And for right now, I am I am squarely in the yes, it is camp. Because I remember when it happened to me, like it was just back of the bus. I mean, back of the bus taught me more about life than anything. I mean, forget no learning, brothers, you know, schooling, books. Back of the bus, man. Those eighth graders, forget it. How to make how to make rot gut whiskey? Right. I mean, I remember the first time I learned about the reproductive system, and I'm like, no way, no way. Yeah. That's not. Yeah, true. That's not true. No way. <laughs> 
So wait, how'd you, who told you? Who told you that Santa was not real? How'd that happen? Well, I know exactly what I did. I remember there was one time in the back of the bus where they made fun of me, and they were like, you're a virgin. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a Leo. And uh, <laughs> like I was born in August. I'm not a virgin. I'm a Leo. Yeah. And, you know, I yeah. might have been like nine or ten. And, yeah, we had this we had this group of ruffians in the back that just ruined adolescence, that innocent adolescence. That's just what their goal was. They had and they really were heckling cr- you for being a virgin. Were they smoking camels? What, like, what are we? Yeah, it was, really, kind of, it was a really it was a really weird bus. Did you ride, man? No, there was like this weird stretch growing up where we had bought a house. Well, my dad built a house and it was like a bunch of land. And that was the whole idea, like to get out in the country. And there was old farmer um, stone walls from like, I'm talking early 1800s. I mean, it was that kind of thing. So we kind of lived. The thing is, is like, that's great and all until you you get on the bus and, you know, you wonder if some of the kids have homes uh, right. which, you know, I mean, I know isn't oh, everybody's equal. Hey, you know, where you, you know, uh, I understand. Understood. You guys are so, doing, yeah. You're doing farm to table. You're doing your best. I got it. Right, right, right. But, but there's some but, tough you know, kids. Like, we had guys in the back with rat and docking patches on their jean jackets, and they would just ruin everything. So then they did the virgin joke with me, and then I came home, and I told my dad, and I was like, hey, you know, the kids kept telling me I'm a virgin, and I told them I'm a Leo. Like, you know, he was, and my father, I remember, like, I'll never forget it because I was, like, bummed. He's like, that means you've had sex or you haven't. Don't let kids trick you like that. I was like, oh, I've let everyone down. And then within a month or so, those guys were like, hey, do you believe in Santa? And I didn't know what to do because they were so in my head about the no sex, sex Leo virgin thing. And uh, I was like, Santa, yeah. he's." And they're like, you know he's not real. And I'm like, yeah, obviously. (laughs) So that's how it all happened for me. I'd heard rumors. I had heard some stuff about Santa's true existence. But yeah, we had we just had guys in the back of the bus that were making us grow up faster than we were even ready, man. It was like watching man. kids. Yeah, that's that's like a scene. That's a scene of a movie, like a, a coming of age flick, and the kid in the docking patch, and then, but then that kid's got some messed up stuff that he's trying to deal with. He's just you know he's the last out of the world, but he's probably going to need somebody to give him a hug somewhere along the way and, and tell him it's all going to be all right, you know. Totally, because when maybe, you're maybe riding, if that used, guy, maybe if that yeah. guy's listening right now, I just hey, I hope you know we're here for you. You know? I'm not, you know, I'm not anti motocross. You know, I've always been a real big fan. But when you're using a barely street legal dirt bike to drive to school, there's probably yeah. some parenting stuff going on at home that isn't super locked in. This yeah. is my guess. Could have probably used some help. My mom's actually the one who told me I was like six, and uh, I asked her, and I challenged her on it. And my, her answer was always, "He's the spirit of Christmas." I'm like, "That's a pretty good line. I like that spirit of Christmas." But I'm like. Is there a Santa Claus? And don't tell me the thing about the spirit of Christmas. And she's like, you mean, is there a dude that comes down the chimney and brings presents? Yeah. Yeah. No, there isn't. And I'm like, wait, what? Again was with that, that? Was that the toughest college break you had? I think this was, this was, this was early in the game. I think, I think I was like, I think it was like six year old VP. Six? Uh, so she, oh my early, gosh, early, that seems really early, really early. I guess she just made a conscious decision that that was where, she was going to come clean with me, which I, I don't I don't know that I was ready for. So in many ways, probably explains a lot of what like how I got messed up, and twisted, was dealing with that wreckage. Six is too wreckage. early, but yeah, I mean it's really an amazing. I love when we talk parenting on the podcast, but I <laughs> I think there's a really weird window in there for I don't want to steal that innocence. But I also don't want a kid in junior high talking about his Santa his note to Santa. <laughs> like exactly. I don't want then, I don't want right. the last I don't of, want my kid to be the last kid in junior high that knows that Santa's fake. Right, because think how that would have played in the back of the bus with that crew. Yeah, I just wrote him the letter. Wait, you're a virgin and you still send you got a pen pal <laughs> named Santa? <laughs> hey, Priscilla's never been laid and still writes notes to Santa, everybody. <laughs> think how that conversation would have gone with dad wow i know i know and then my dad would be like i can't even believe you're good at sports yeah thank god you can at least rebound and you got a good fastball <laughs> <laughs> why don't you go back outside and have one of your simulated yeah. games where you throw 100 pitches against a wall and pick it up after every oh. single pitch one of my favorite Marcelo's t- youth stories stats two two to spike owen <laughs> I don't know what it is about Rosillo, but Spike just doesn't see the ball well out of his hands. Yeah. 
<laughs> Can't pick it up. Got that crafty delivery. That Rosillo. That's 28 strikeouts for Rosillo in this game. A new record because of one pass ball. Uh, oh, I guess they did it go extras or we had a, a pass ball? I no, no, like the fourth strikeout in the inning. Sure. It gets yeah. by him. It gets by him. <laughs> okay. I, I'll let you go after this. We have five questions. Are you ready? The rapid fire. Um, yeah, yeah. Go Magic, by the way, Saruti. I'm invested in that team. I like them. Okay, here we go. Five questions, Craig Kilborn style, with Van Pelt. Give me someone that you've unfollowed on Twitter that you feel guilty about and you hope doesn't notice. I just, I just mute him. I, I, I just, I, I just mute him because I'm too afraid. Like if Ravel finds out that, well, now he's switched gears, so maybe he doesn't care. But I just mute him. Mute the I new find a, Yeah, I find a lot of Ravel's con, like his content, bad. I do, mm. and I like him, yeah. but I just, I, th- I find a lot of it. Like, but I think that's kind of what it is. It's sort of that Midwest humor well, just, sometimes, where I watch. It doesn't a sitcom. have any. App, it has no practical application in, in our lives. Like I don't care that how much, like what you got out of wearing a hat. Like the fact that they took a close up of your hat, got you know Alion three million dollars worth. That, okay, that doesn't have any application in my life. But what's what's bothering me now is like certain people on Twitter will do this thing where they just take everybody's other other pictures and videos and they feel like they're now this this feed and it's like I don't know you just you just took a picture that everybody else just saw on somebody else's feed you know? yeah you're like, like an aggregator of content yeah, just like, retweet what you, it what are you the the human version of hoops hype like I don't <laughs> I don't get it yeah um so yeah shout out to Ravel congrats on the new deal. And everything, yeah, but Scott. Him. Yeah, Scott and I don't love all your tweets. Okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> if you could do a radio show with anybody besides me, who would you mm-hmm. do it with? Um. Wow. Is, is it uh, Rude Jude? You might get a call from him. He and I did talk about it, but then I resigned with ESPN. Um. I, I just want to have the kind of freedom and autonomy to just say and do whatever I want, whenever I want, because Root Jude has got that. There are no lanes on the highway. It is just open road for Root Jude. Yeah, but you know what that means for Root Jude is he's not going to be doing any Supercuts ads. Uh, you know, that's that, there you go. There you go. But he can he can say f- and talk to porn stars and whoever else he wants to talk to about stuff. I don't know what I would do. I don't. I don't know that me talking to porn stars is going to work for anybody. I'm just saying, like, if that's what you want to do on a Wednesday, boom, let's do it. Yeah, he definitely has that part down. But I just feel like you're more corporate. Like you have established a brand. All right, me and Ravel. Me and Ravel. No, you're not. Like Ravel's. Ravel's just. Ravel's like a. You know, he's he's in a one man canoe. Like you could get off. I mean, like we've we've had this conversation before, and I share it with my friends where. Like, they say, you know, what were some of the things with you and Scott? And I said, oh, Scott's always like, he's able to do this. He's able to make everybody in the room feel good. He can adapt and all this stuff. And then one time you and I were talking about it and you were like, well, wait a minute. What are you, what are you calling me a phony? And I'm like, no, I'm not calling you a phony. I was like, I'm able to do this. And I think we may have gotten an argument and it was like, well, what's your brand? You were like, what's your brand? Not like anybody. Keep it real and get arrested. And I'm like, ugh. I didn't say that. (laughs) Let's just let's just make this clear. I didn't say that. I don't think I had that. I don't think I had that card in the deck, and I certainly wouldn't have played it. Come on, act like I'm the. I I'm like. I mean, you know. Now, now, now you've gone and upset me because I would never say that. All right. Okay. No, no, no. Well, I, I definitely would have said the part about what, like, not the like first two. Buddy. You would have said the first. Yeah, yeah. That, what's your brand? Good. Not the last. What's your brand? One. Keep it, keep it one hundred, and not say hello to anybody for a week. Cool. Um, yeah, just scowl okay. at everyone. Who's the most arrogant personality at ESPN right now? Um, who's who just has it? Who has it on lock? Arrogant. I think you want me to say it first so you don't get in trouble because I'll say it. You say it and I'll tell you if I agree. If Stephen A ever talked to me the way he's talking to people now on television, there'd be a problem. Like he's just flat out telling people to shut up and stop talking and acting like they don't deserve to be at the desk with him. And the thing is, is you both, you and I, like we both really like the guy. 
I've never had a problem with Stephen A. I like him. He works his butt off. He works as much as anyone has ever worked in this business. People from a style, taste thing. I have friends like, oh, I can't stand him. And I actually like defense. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know, man. I'm like, the studies tell you people watch the dude. And that's the whole deal. But, man, he is like letting people have it. Like, everyone's beneath him and shouldn't be out there talking sports with him. So, well, I, I, I guess at some point you reach uh, you reach the place where you have your your brand has become elevated to such a point where you think you can say that because here's how that works that 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 flies until somebody says puts their hand up and says hold on just one second and then right you, you bop the bully back in the nose he and I he, he he has been on our show during the finals and during the playoffs and I I've enjoyed the conversation quite a bit. Because uh, it doesn't get hostile. <laughs> um, he's got a ton of respect for you, though. He's got more respect for you than probably anybody else there. So he would never do that to you. But he's doing it to like and vice versa because of, because yeah. of how hard because of how hard he's worked at the at the craft specifically as he you know as he what's the word the, the how he does what he does. But I mean, the, the, like the arrogance serves him well, right? That's like the fuel that allows you because you know how this game goes. You have to have a certain amount of know stuff in your game if you're going to walk out and crap on a, a lavalier mic and look into a camera and tell somebody you got something worth saying maybe you don't have to tell everyone to shut up that's not how i'd play it but i mean it's hard to argue with the results yeah no no that out i i don't I, I guess i've just i'm like caught i've caught more and more of it lately and i'm like dude he's letting some dudes have it okay uh two more give me the assignment that you've never done that you want mm-hmm. um Let's e-games, see. esports. Yeah, clearly that some some kind of Fortnite insider uh, get like to, to be. Um, what's the word? Not not immersed. What's that thing when you're you're in your dad? Like no, no, like you're. What's the word? Well, I can't think of the word. You're you're embedded. What is it? Like you're embedded, right? Like they like you're you're like living that life, like just sitting around, just dipping, just. Drinking energy drinks and playing Fortnite all day. No, I don't want to do that. Who am I kidding? Um, no, because that's a no. Then you had. I was for a while there. I was like, whoa. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to do. I don't want to do any of that. Um, what about Wipeout? You think you could ever fill was, in for John Anderson? I was asking that one back a while, while back. <laughs> what did you uh, say you know, when I, they called I, you I, about I, Wipeout? I just said, is it going to be like that one of those like the Japanese show where people just fall down and just get hit in the head with stuff? Because I'm good with that. And then Wipeout became a giant hit. Yeah, but it's that even better because I think you said, is it that's is it like those stupid Japanese shows where everybody falls down and the guy was like, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that what I, he said? I don't know that I don't know that I used the words. I think I might have said stupid. <laughs> I I just couched it and said I was good, had enough going on, and then. Uh, then that you know, look. I'm not saying they would have chosen me, but that was you know they were just probing, kicking the old tires to see if maybe I was interested in and in seeing somebody <laughs> jump onto some big giant greasy wheel and see if they could get to the other side. And then I said, no. I wish, I wish so badly you had said yes. Now, and you're right. You know, you're very smart to not be arrogant about it and say that it was definitely going to be you. But there's a pretty good chance. I would have been a ter- I would have been terrible at that because I they, they, they'd be the cutaways where I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. nice to people, and I'd be looking at them thinking, "Oh God, you poor soul." I wouldn't be any good at any of that. I'm still <laughs> I'm still racking my brain trying to think of what I want to do that I haven't got to do. Um, because you know, I just want, I'm, I don't want to do anything. I, all I want to do, I just want to just be able to watch stuff where, like, from the comfort of my home. I don't want to do anything. I have to go out there and do it. I'm just you know laughing. I mean? I'm just laughing at you in the cutaway after Deb from Santa Clara falls into the yeah. pit of foam really early yeah. in the obstacle course. Yeah. And then there's the guy with the spiky hair named like DJ yep. DJ Party Time. And it's you smiling. Going, Me. Hey. And you know, you yeah. know that inside my soul, I'm dead. Yeah, with a second I'm beach like, house. Yeah, <laughs> dead with a ski condo. Exactly. <laughs> Have you been to Banff? <laughs> you guys, hey, what, how many more hours are you gonna tape this? I gotta get to Stowe by Friday. <laughs> yeah, gotta hop on the old wheels up to Banff for the weekend. It's a big uh, emo festival. Let's go, <laughs> sun's sun's going down, baby. 
Hey, you guys know Aspen shuts down early. Let's get this Hotel jet in Jerome, the air. Let's go. I got uh, a corner table with Dumel <laughs> talking project. Dumel said he's going to meet me again, possibly. Yeah, yeah, like in Santa, like Santa Monica. I haven't Nobody's called ever, any of those No guys. one's ever ducked me actively harder than that guy has. Dumel, yeah. I, I look. I, I did the thing when I moved out here where I was like, yeah, totally would meet up with you. Where are you guys? And then I realized nobody meets anyone ever. You can't even date somebody unless it's the same town. Like if if I met a girl in Beverly Hills, you'd make you you would never make it because you would just be like, I don't want to get in a car and visit you. And then she would say, Well, I definitely don't want to get in a car and visit you. So once you kind of get bad, yeah, once you kind of figure it out. If I don't date a girl at the gas station or the gym, I'm not going to date anybody. How is the gas station dating scene? It's a little old for me. My track mm. record trends a little younger than, you know, yeah. night shift at the Arco. But uh, sure, I wouldn't sure. rule anyone out because, you I mean, you know, any yeah. given week, you know, I can be one week I'm Bama and the next week I'm, you know, I'm Rutgers. So. Love is love is blind, man. That's what I would say. You just you know, just right. be open to it. Final I'm answer one. this question. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. De- I'm not. Whatever you. I, this one I won't blow off. I'll answer this one no matter what. What is the final question? Better chance of happening. You calling Monday Night Football mm-hmm. or co-hosting PTI with me in DC when we're both a hundred. That. Because that's I'm that I, I am aggressively, quietly behind the scenes trying to find out about that. Because I've read like Ride Home and his that guy. All he does is, is make hits, and, and like Pablo and Bomani are his guys, and they're going to be they'll be the next Wilbon and um, and Kornheiser. They're but, younger than us. Yeah, but but I uh, not if I go to DC first and then like you know po- like poison the water for those guys somehow. Just start, you know. I don't know. I don't know about you know. And you start <laughs> casting casting aspersions, like yeah, you know, kind I don't, of floating it out there. Huh? Yeah, I don't. I, that, that's going to be a you play. I think that yeah. would be that would be one of the best things. And it's nothing against anybody else, but that would be you and I are the fix to PTI ever ending with those two guys because it's going to be impossible to be what those two guys are. Well, obviously, I mean, they did. It's just it becomes a new thing. But yeah, I want to. I want a thousand percent. I want to move to DC. They already have a studio. That's where I'm from. Um, I don't have any I love friends Georgetown. here, so I can. There you go, M Street. What's up? Then we can get. We can. I can have like a semi-social life. Some people that I know that I would actually meet out for a meal or something. And uh, then we keep this train, this gravy train rolling because I got that third place in Banff that I got to keep. You know, lights on in. And so that's the Monday Night Football. I've never called a game. So Monday Night Football's off. You've the never table, done a game. That's you know what? No, that's I've what never. they should have. They should have let us do a game where I did play by play with my extensive double A and NBA resume, where I did a, a half a season as the second guy in double A, and I did three Celtics games. In and your Federer hat with a big, massive lipper in. Yeah, that's what we should have done. We should have done that for you know, give us the last big Monday or something. Sure, I think I, I don't know that that's. Uh, there wasn't a lot of that stuff when we were doing. I think if we were on the radio now, there would have been more of a "Hey, let's get these guys out there and do some different things." But yeah, but see, they had to get they had to let us the show die to find out that oh wait, everyone loved it. Oh man, we should have done more. Yep, you should have. Were we but the wire okay, of radio shows? We are, and that's that's fine because then we'll someday we'll come back um, and do PTI many years from now, and Mike and Tony are done with it, and Pablo and Bomani just do their own show because they already have it and they don't need to do PTI, then you and I'll do it. And about a half hour of us will probably be just about right. I don't know if I'm going to have the same zip on my fastball. Oh, I'm I'm fooling them now. With, it's just all cutters and uh, and stinky fees. I'm fastball. That's oh, Excuse me. That's been gone. Write that down, Sarudi. I cussed at the 28-minute mark. Yeah, Fastball's gone. But we can still get outs. All we got to do is get it's like three. It's like three breaks, 20, 22 minutes of content. You can do that. Done. I can do that. We'll do that. Yeah, right. no problem. We we'll just we just double them up. We're like, okay, all right, what happened? All right, Jeter retired. Okay, here we go. You know, like when it's summer and we don't want to be on all the time, just do like mm-hmm. a Dana Carey Brokaw thing 
Like who? Okay, what do we got here? All right, we got another Mellow trade. All right, Mellow was traded to the Hawks. Your thoughts? Mellow was traded to the Timberwolves. Your thoughts? Yep. That's what. We yeah, do. that's easy. That's like let's. It's just we just do fill like Mad Lib days. We just record every team's name, cut and paste. It's as easy. How are we not doing this right now? We're, our failure is not having an active plan for this now. I think we just yeah, hacked right. it, though. This we hacked the plan right here. Yeah, I think this is. I think this is the birth of it, the origin right now. I know you have a lot of TV work to do, and we uh, we spent a lot of time with you. So I really appreciate it, man. It's always always my pleasure. And uh, shout out to the gal in the Arco station. Just you know, give, just be be sweet. You never know. You She's pretty more, friendly. You, she is pretty friendly. I'll give her that. See. And you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Remember that. I'm just learning it now. You can check out Scott's show. It's called Sports Center, and it's on almost every night. I'm going to talk about Fury Wilder. The fight was here in L.A., you know, across the street from where I'm at right now. I didn't go, but I, I was sitting at home. I go, you know, I'm buying this, and I couldn't be happier that I bought it. But I'm going to get to that in a second, and we'll check in on Saruti, of course. But I want to start by talking about BoxOfAwesome.com, because you know what's in this holiday season? Selfishness. Why buy an ugly sweater for a distant uncle when you can buy some awesome for yourself? Specifically, Bespoke Post's Box of Awesome. A box of awesome is my favorite way to treat myself every month. And that's what happens. It keeps rolling in. Barrel aging kit, done. Weekender bag, done. Hair products, I wish. But you can do this for yourself. You can do it for a brother. You can do it for a dad. You can do it for a boyfriend. Whatever you need to do, visit boxofawesome.com and answer a few short questions that will help them determine the boxes that fit you best. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. The first of each month, you'll receive an email with your box details. Now, here's the things. Like, you look at it and you go, oh, I'm not sure if that's right for me. This is what's great. Some of these subscription services just keep hitting you. You don't even know it. They'll show you what they're going to send you, and you go, you know what? I don't really need to do that right now. So the first of each month, you receive an email with your box details. If you're not feeling it, simply skip it. From barrel aging kits to limited edition cigars, weekender bags, you know the deal. Classy dop kits, Bespoke Post offers essential goods and guidance for the modern man. Call to action. That's what they put in the script. I just yell it because I want you to know what's going on. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter code RUSSILLO. That's R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code RUSSILLO for 20% off your first box. Bespoke post, themed boxes for guys that give a damn. So I bought the fight on Saturday. If I had really thought about it, maybe I would have gone, but you know that's the kind of thing. If the tickets aren't great. Yes, spoiled over the years with all the sporting events, but look, I'm just, I'm being honest about it. If somebody had said, Hey, and I get really good seats. Let's go do this little thing. You know what? All right. No problem. Let's go do it. All right. So I have watched Wilder fight a bunch. He really fought <laughs> Saturday night against Fury the way I've always seen him fight. I haven't seen all 40 of the fights, you know, but I was talking with somebody that covers it. I go, man, he's pretty one dimensional, like a huge, just Superman, some call it the helicopter right hand. It's not the Superman in the UFC punch way where you kind of jump up into the air and swing, but it's this all or nothing absolutely loaded up and he overwhelms guys with it and takes some dudes out. And and yet it, it feels really limited. It feels like a, I don't know, it'd be like a quarterback who could only run, you know? And then Fury, who comes in at his size, he was massive, like 260, 6'9", makes Wilder look small. Wilder was really, really thin for this fight, 220-ish, maybe a little bit under. Let me double-check it, because I hate whenever I get out bad information. You didn't watch the fight, did you, Saruti? I didn't watch the fight, but I mean, the highlights were unbelievable, maybe kind of make, you know, maybe wish I did. I didn't really know that Fury, he's not real, is he in shape? I don't even know how to say it. Well, the thing is, is that you, I got to look up here because I feel like, I mean, um, he took, I mean, the punches he took were unbelievable. And then well, those, getting those up are the only amazing. Yeah. Those are the only punches. Like the first knockdown, I thought he just got hit in the back of the head and he went down. He was kind of like right up again. All right. So the gypsy king, two fifty six and a half. Um, yeah. Wilder came in. <laughs> this is stupid. Two twelve. 212. I knew he was under 220 because I remember being like, how is it possible that Wilder weighs less than I do? And yet anybody that covers this stuff will know they cut so hard that a lot of the guys will gain back 10 to sometimes even 15 pounds when they go back in there to fight after the weigh-in, uh, which is a whole other topic. But in this case, it's not really the deal. It's not like he was needing to cut when the other guy's not cutting. Uh, and it's like a UFC where you have to stay within like 15 pounds at the classes. So um, 
him getting up the second time because it was a beautiful right and then the left hook on the way down and it looks like he's out the announcer is like he's done the fight's over and then Wilder's like you know as Van Pelt mentioned the look on Wilder's face but a smarter boxing aficionado reporter whatever uh would know this better than I but I can't help and I'm not trying to do the back of my day thing here but I can't help thinking about how Holyfield Tyson Hell Spinks Foreman I'm talking Foreman Part 2 certainly even an older Larry Holmes I think they'd kill these two guys Fury I will give him credit at that size to be that big at 260 to be so unorthodox and faint and just switch up his hand placement and kind of charge you and just he does a really good job of of making it hard to decipher where the punches are coming from and to fight with that kind of energy at that size for 12 rounds that was incredible but the reason you know he has the body he has right now is he's in shape for him but he's kind of got that it used to be you know, he's, he was out of the game. He was a complete mess. He was, I mean, I don't know if he was 400 pounds, but, you know, he kind of has that body of a guy who used to be fat who's not fat anymore but has, like, the weird skin thing going on. I mean, it's just the way it works. Um, and I, I loved it. I loved how they treated each other afterwards. I think that the judges specifically won. The Mexican judge was 115 to 111. You're like, oh, this is great. It's like somebody completely saw something different. I love the spectacle of it all. They don't have to be the greatest fighters. I would watch the rematch. I would pay for the rematch. I paid for this. I was thrilled I paid for it. But I have this part that's gnawing at me that I go Riddick Bowe, Lennox Lewis, like whoever. And I know Tyson got Klitschko there towards the end. But, you know, Wilder doesn't work all the time. He doesn't throw a ton of punches. They're both impressive kind of with what they do. But I, I actually tweet at me, at Ryan A. Rosillo, if you're really into it. And I'll look at your bio to see if you're full of it or not. But if you're really into boxing, have been, I, I wonder if you agree with me. Because the overall skill, I don't know, man. I think these guys would get worked in the late 80s, 90s. That's my boxing minute, minute or two. What do you got going on this weekend? Anything I need to know about? Past weekend or the upcoming weekend? Just in general, did you do anything this weekend besides rake? Nah, I raked and I watched uh, a couple soccer matches, which were wildly disappointing. Other than that, not a ton. Playing a lot of FIFA these days, catching up on lost time, you know, from the wedding and the honeymoon. Um, a lot of online FIFA, so uh, if you're interested in that, hit me up. What's up? You What's don't strike me as much of a tag? FIFA guy. Uh, what is my? You're gonna. This is. Uh, you're gonna oh, hate. Gonna well, be so yeah, embarrassing. This is actually really bad. <laughs> I actually don't even know if I want to share this. Uh, well, you know what? I'll do it. It is Ghetto Gandalf 6. What's up? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What were you, 10 when you... <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, no, I made it. <laughs> I was going to do OG Gandalf, which I really wanted to do, but it was taken. Taken. Yeah, yeah so I had to do Ghetto Gandalf. I actually didn't do this that long ago, but I did it ironically because me and my friends were coming up with like the dumbest gamer tags you can come up with. Oh, so really? Like, Dumber? Dumb, or I mean, did you think it was sweet? Come well, on. Well, one of my other friends' uh, gamer tag name is Waka Flocka Brian. Um, this is actually another good story. My <laughs> for some <laughs> another reason, another good story. Yeah, there are a lot of gamer tag stories. For for some reason, my buddy Mike, who's my roommate in college, he uh, his gamer tag was Mike Doss thirteen because he was a big fan of Mike Doss back in the day. Ohio the State Ohio safety. State defensive back. Yeah. yeah, I love Mike. So Doss. this guy like DM'd him and was like, "Hey man, you shouldn't use your name and birthday as your gamer tag." And he was like, 13 isn't a date. Like, what are you talking about, dude?" So Wait a minute, what's co- Mike Doss's birthday though? What if I have Mike Doss no idea. He just really like Mike Doss. That's really, and he really like thir- I think Mike Doss wore thirteen in college. That was the thing. He's not even an Ohio State fan. I don't even. That, that didn't make any sense looking in hindsight. But he was really nasty though. I kind of really yeah, liked him. He was. Yeah. He was really good. And then I, he played for the Colts, right? I think it was him and Bob yeah, he Sanders. Did. Yeah. So There's that always, was uh, that was a uh, gamer tag stories for you. But yeah, Ghetto Gandalf six. So hit me up. What's up, Mike Doss born? Oh my gosh! I don't know. March twenty fourth. 1981. So absolutely Not no connection. Yeah. 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 He'll be 37. So wish Mike Doss a happy birthday next March 24th, if you could. But yeah, just a lot of FIFA. That's really about it. Married life hasn't changed me. I love it. She knows what she signed up for. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I have you guys any fights yet? Any fights? No, not really. Not, not really. We, we don't really do fights. I don't know. We don't really fight about. 
I talked to Smallman the other night. Oh, what's she doing? Uh, she's trying to get me on the podcast. How was Danny? Oh, on that's the pod? right. We're supposed. Did to Danny get... rip me at all? No, I'll he didn't mine. rip you. That's right. We're trying to get you on the pod. What later this later this month? I I feel like you listen. You are the kind of guy that I think would say is, do you genuinely want to do it, and we definitely want you to do it. But at time is going to be really hard to nail you down on. Am I am I right or wrong? Yeah, I'm not doing this. Like people are starting to think, like since I've moved out here, that I'm blowing people off left and right, as if like I'm I'm doing it on purpose. Like I think I'm too cool. I I really have a tough time keeping the schedule lined up because every week it changes. Like there'll be, I think I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I guarantee it changes, and then it turns into something where I go. Yeah, it's more often than not when it's important. I'll be like, okay, I have to find a way to do this. But there's other stuff where I tell people, they'll be like, hey, what do you think about next Wednesday? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not going to say yes to it because I just yeah, don't know. I, I also hate planning though. Planning, like, I don't like if you ask me what I'm doing next Wednesday. Like, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm never going to know. Like, I, that's just not who I am. I don't know what I'm going to do next Wednesday. No, I don't. And here's the thing: like, I bought a plane ticket, so I'm coming back east. So that's why I did the Ringer Pod today, and I did this pod with Van Pelt. And I'm getting on a plane. I'm headed to Boston, and at some point, I'm probably going to go up to Vermont to see my grandmother. You know, nice. visit her. Um, you never know. So. That's the plan, but there's a couple, I don't know, days in there where I have a little flexibility, but I also realize, like, you know, what if you went next week instead? <laughs> and I could, because now I've done this other stuff, and I don't want to say get it out of the way. I just, you know, you got to figure out, get your stuff done. I'd rather not tape both podcasts within hours of each other, but I'm at the mercy of your schedule, studio stuff, and that kind of thing, and... um you know, I have to worry about availability, and I knew I wanted to do the Rob Mullins thing on the Ringer thing, and I, I wasn't going to do that like on a Wednesday after the committee rankings came out on Sunday. So I don't even know. I could possibly be coming back to ESPN for like a day or two with Scott, but I'm still not even sure about that. So I'm actually getting on a plane next week, and the return is kind of TBD. Uh, and That's then, awesome. Yeah, but TBD I still... returns are great. Yeah, but... I don't, what I'm fearful of is that I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this and then I'm not going to do anything work related, which is fine. Uh, I can still do all my stuff from a studio. You know, I'll find a studio in Vermont. I'll find a studio in Boston. Or if I'm close enough, I could even come down to Connecticut for an afternoon. But I don't, I have a fear that I'm going to get a call to come back like right around Christmas NBA or maybe some bowl game stuff. And that's the stuff where people are like, what are you doing New Year's? What are you doing for this? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, how about I do this? I'm just not going to commit to anything because I'm going to let you down. So it must be nice. History of being non-committal. Well, yeah. Well, there you go. That was some extra bonus, uh, schedule stuff. Do you want to be my assistant? And I don't, I don't want an assistant. I don't want to pay you. I don't want a guy in the books. I don't, it would be such a waste of money for me to have an assistant despite my confusion on because you would just plan stuff for me that i would cancel and then i'd pay somebody a salary yeah it'd be completely it would be yeah. like you know Priscilla penciled in noon for this meeting and it would just not work out and then i'd be like well there's no point in doing this like why why am i here yeah why am i paying you 50 grand plus i mean i would take the money i'm just saying it would, it would it would it would not be useful to you no it wouldn't it'd be useful to all listeners i won't i can't wait to see how the podcast does post fan pelt boxing and then my boring schedule itinerary I can't wait to see what the podcast because we have, I believe, the best podcast at ESPN as far as the numbers tracking start to finish, how engaged the listener stays. Like the last numbers I looked at, we have the best one. That there's there's almost no drop off. That means people want to hear the end. They want to hear the weird stuff. Yeah, I I can't wait to see what this one does because <laughs> there's an argument you made. I didn't even think we were taping this and keeping it in the pod. That you and I were just saying goodbye to each other, and we're gonna leave it in the pot. So there you go. Perfect. It's real. 